Greg, Maya, and Betty are not experts, nor do they claim to be. They're just a bunch of nerds who enjoy talking about movies, shows, and current events. So sit back, grab a coffee, relax, and enjoy a brand new episode of All Queued Up. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of All Queued Up, the review podcast tied to streaming services like Netflix, Amazon Prime, HBO Max, Disney Plus, etc., etc., etc. I'm your host, Greg Dietz, and with me always is Maya Don Fisher and Betty Badger. How are you two doing this today, this week? I changed how I wrote that, and my brain didn't want to re- register it, so how, how have your weeks been? <laughs> Mine was good. Mine was good. Um... I'm finally over my uh, go to the doctor, get flex test, be in horrible pain for five days afterwards ordeal. So, um, yeah, and I really liked uh, everything we had to watch this week. So uh, I'm very pumped to talk about it. What about you, Mai? I'm, I'm, I'm good. I've been uh, and the time that I've not been watching what we had to watch, I've pretty much been playing The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild on the Switch. And that's all I've been doing. Um, it's a fantastic game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've only got six shrines left to find, and I've got my heart containers maxed out. And you going to try to find all, like, 900 fucking... Uh, no. Or no. <laughs> no. Those little Korok leaf people, No. Korok. I found, I found about 22 of them. I don't care. Because the only benefit they have is like, oh, you can carry, a, you know, if you find enough of them, you can carry an extra sword or an extra bow or an extra shield. I'm good. You know, I can carry about four extra swords, two extra bows, and an extra shield. I'm good. I'm good enough. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, kind of uh, how I play Skyrim. There's a there's a guy named um, the completionist uh, uh, Gerard. He uh, he did a 100 percent on that game. He found all 900 Koroks, and he was like, "I'll tell you this, <laughs> like there are aspects to 100 percenting this game, and there are other aspects. I don't recommend doing that one." <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm doing everything else but that. Yeah, that's funny. Um, well, you know, you? at uh, I'm fine. There's nothing really substantial happening in my life right now. Um, uh, things are going okay with uh, the folks and whatnot, so I'm taking care of them as best I can. Uh, I was going to say, um, every every Wednesday in January had an event of some kind, so I'm just wondering what the fuck is going to happen today. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm like, what's, what's going to happen today, guys? I don't fucking know. Hopefully so. nothing. Yeah. I, I like a yeah. nice calm. Because I got to take my kids yeah. to the dentist today. I ain't got time for no bullshit. You know, I just I don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't mess with me there today, a, man. <laughs> I was laughing because there's a guy on TikTok who had like, he just started screaming into the, into the camera. And he's like, I would like for one fucking week to not have a major historical event. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm I would like to li- not. I would like to stop living through major historical events is what he said. That's right. Oh, it's so funny. Um, um well historically evented out. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. Twenty twenty one, you've already you, you've you exhausted us already. Let's slow it the fuck really? down. Really? 
Um, guys, what we're going to talk about today is the, the uh, episode four of WandaVision, episode seven of The Stand, and the film on HBO Max, The Little Things. Uh, we're going to start with uh, WandaVision. Just get that out of the way, because I feel like we're all going to agree on that. Um, episode four was uh, was much needed at this point in the series, because it, it kind of answered a lot of questions. Still left a lot of questions unanswered. Um, but it was a but departure from what we've seen so far. It gave that much-needed context that a lot of people were complaining if they hadn't gotten. Uh, I know yeah. people that had not that had watched the first three episodes, and they're like, they really need to start giving me something or they're going to lose me. Well, they gave you that and then some, I feel, yeah. in this episode. And come on, we got Randall Park and Kat Dennings. I know. I was I so excited. To see her, I was like, "Yay, they brought her back!" Because she's one of my favorite actresses, and that character, you know, I love her. So that was awesome, and I thought it was a really good episode this week. Um, oh, yeah. Seeing what's going on on the outside, giving you some perspective as to how we've gotten to this point, you know. And um, I, I, I don't think they could have done it better. I thought the the comedic relief timing was good. And, you know, I, I feel like I understand a lot more, you know, what's going on here. And it is pretty much what we thought. She's doing it. You know, I, yeah. I don't think, yeah, I still don't think somebody else is putting her in that situation. I'm not, yet. I'm That's not giving, thing. like, um, I don't, yeah, I don't want to take off the table that somebody else could be doing this to Wanda. Um, I mean, it's very clear that this tried to, like, point it at Wanda. Um and it seems abundantly clear that it is Wanda, but it's also Marvel. And I'm not taking a goddamn thing off the table at this point. Other than yeah. it being AIM involved. Like, I don't think AIM has anything to fucking do with this. It could be Hydra, but it's not AIM. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to say that the uh, one of the things that they did in this that I thought was really clever was some strong... well. Not strong. They were actually quite subtle. Hence at uh, how the Fantastic Four would be brought into the MCU. Um, oh. The cosmic radiation. That, oh, that, yeah. Uh, well. And apparently uh, one of like somebody caught the name of uh, Sue and Reed's son. Franklin? I don't remember. Yeah, Franklin. Somebody, somebody caught the name of Franklin Richards in the show. I didn't catch it, but somebody else did. I didn't either. So hmm. uh, that means nothing to me. So <laughs> Frank, Franklin Richards is pretty much considered in in Marvel canon the most powerful mutant to ever exist. Makes oh. Wanda look like nothing. It's just so like it's possible can... that what she's doing right now created him. No, it's possible. I think. Well, I say it's possible because. I, I think the way that they're going to bring the Fantastic Four in is originally... Like, have you ever watched any of the Fantastic Four movies, Betty? Don't. Mm -hmm. They're I'm bad. Asking I've you heard have, they're you, bad. That's why I've stayed away okay. from them. All right. Uh, the, the, the general story of them is that Reed Richards was a, was a... I think he was an astrophysicist and multiple other things. But um, he wanted to take space exploration. And it, while they, like, left Earth's atmosphere... Um, the entire ship containing his wife, Sue, um, 
And fr- I think, I don't think, yeah. Well, they Sue's weren't brother, married yet. They weren't married Sue's yet. brother, Johnny. Yeah, they weren't married mm-hmm. yet. Uh, and his best uh, friend. Sue, and his best friend, uh, uh, Benjamin Grimm. And mm-hmm. um, they, uh, they were hit by cosmic radiation, which gave them different powers. Reed could stretch his arms and, and elastize his body. Uh, Sue could go invisible and create force fields. Uh, Grimm turned into a giant rock monster that can rival the Hulk's strength. And uh, Johnny could engulf his entire body in flames and fly around and shoot fire, too. Um, uh, I love yes. Johnny and Grimm for Ben. <laughs> I love the thing and, and human, human Torch, but Reed is a piece of shit in the comics. Like, he's a womanizer and uh, he neglects Sue's problems a lot. And it's, it's the whole thing. But um, not anymore. I mean, well, if they're bringing him early the MCU, on, I'm sure that early on it was a thing. It was a big deal. Like that was back in the '60s, though. Yeah, but that's also like my favorite Fantastic Four. So, really, read Mark Wade's run from the early 2000s. Wonderful stuff. Jonathan Hickman also did some incredible stuff on Fantastic Four as well. I never read that stuff actually. Oh, so so good. Like, you know, Mr. Fantastic, there's an episode, or an episode, there's an issue of the comics where he talks about why he named himself Mr. Fantastic. Um, And, you know, it's because of the guilt that he has for causing his best friend and his family to have these powers and to never be able to live a life of just normalcy like they had planned uh and he's like you know if if there has to be a price paid and pay a penance to be paid i need to have the most ridiculous moniker of all and face the harshest criticisms of all that's that's really funny considering like oh yeah a lot of comics written in the early uh like a lot of characters that came out of the 60s and whatnot always had weird and dumb monikers. Like, take Wanda, for example. Her moniker is the Scarlet Witch. Kind of a dumb name. Uh, but that's, you know, that's just how it was then. And shit just sticks. So, yeah. Uh, but, um, and when comics, when they go to try to give them a new, more updated, you know, not as outdated code name, it never sticks. People are like, no, you can't change their name. People oh, I don't know anybody. Keep yeah, yeah. The same. But I also don't know anybody personally that doesn't call like that. That when talking about WandaVision or talking about these characters, ever since calls Wanda anything other than Wanda, nobody that I talk to that knows the MCU exclusively, not per se the comics as much as you and I do, Maya. But um, like Betty, have you ever referred to her as Scarlet Witch, or do you just call her Wanda every time you talk about her? Yeah, call her Wanda. I mean, I do know that she's a Scarlet Witch, but to me, she's she's not the Scarlet Witch. She's Wanda. You know, nobody ever calls her that. So I, to me, she's yeah. just Wanda. So, yeah, exactly. That's that's and that's and that's not a problem per se. It's not like a complaint. It's more of like a, that's just how the MCU is structured. It's more about the character name versus their superhero name. Where when we were younger, I don't think I spoke of these characters and the first person name. Like it was always like Iron Man and Spider-Man. Like well, unless it was I was a specific. Right. Uh, yeah, well that's that's my point. Is like the 
the way the MCU was written versus uh, or structured, I should say, versus like what we enjoyed as in comics has that difference. So like, for example, I knew who Thanos was, but I had forgotten that he was called the Mad Titan. So when, oh, I had no idea. Uh, so when, when they introduced mm-hmm. him or they, they showed him at the end of, uh, of Avengers, the first Avengers movie, um, like hinted at him or whatever, um, I went, holy shit, Thanos, uh, to which my friend next to me, who was also an avid comic reader, was like, the Mad Titan. And I was like, oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's that's interesting. I did not know that was, uh, I didn't know. I've looked things up and I still, I never saw that. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's a new one, the Mad Titan. Yeah, like, like, yeah, it's just, Silver Age comics are always funny like that because they, they kind of bite off this Golden Age in regards to names and titles and stuff. So, like, I was kind of hoping to see some of that in WandaVision in the first three episodes, but they really wanted to home in on the, the, um, uh, wow, what can I think of what that's called? Uh, the, the sitcom. There we go. Wow. Uh, they really wanted to home in on the sitcom aspect. So, um, anyway, <laughs> anything else about this episode that stood out to you guys? Go ahead. I thought it was neat how they incorporated, um, like the guy crawling through the tunnel who came up and he was the beekeeper guy that we saw in the previous episode. Uh, that was, you know, that was fascinating to me. I was like, oh, because when I started seeing him crawling through the tunnel in that gear, I was like, is he going to be the, you know, the beekeeper dude? And he was. I mean, I thought all of it was really neat. Um, They, uh, something that Jeff and I talked about when we were watching it is they, the hexagon magic, apparently that he told me that, um, Wanda's uh, magic is primarily shaped as a hexagon. Primarily, yeah. She refers to it in in the comics. It's referred to as her hex magic or hex powers, yeah. Which, you know, in um, German, hex is witch. So a hex is a witch. Well, that's that's, that's, in the comics. (laughs) In the comics, you know. In the comics, her her and Quicksilver, her brother Pietro, their father is Magneto, yeah, um, of the X Men, and he was the way his powers came about. He was in Auschwitz, and his powers came to be because he was like thirteen years old, and he was under a lot of stress. Yeah, oddly enough, I know more about the X Men than I do about the rest of the Marvel universe. <laughs> I always like the was it- movies. Weren't uh, 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 Wanda and Pietro's parents um, uh, gypsy? Uh, their mm-hmm. foster parents. Their foster, foster parents parent. that raised them. I think so. Their foster I, parents. I believe. Well, here's what I so I read. It? Here's what I read. What I read as what they've they've changed some things a bit. The original oh, yeah, story was that Magneto was their father. And uh, they were raised by gypsies in Romania. Right, and right. 
<clears throat> then I read that something changed later on and they changed it to, well, they were led to believe their father was Magneto, but they were actually produced by Hydra and given the to comics? the Egyptians. Yeah, in the comics. Yeah, Magneto, I think they were oh, a lie. And they were really upset about it. And yeah, that's okay. apparently part oh. of Wanda's backstory. The thing that for well. the, the like, I think they retconned that after House um, of I was going to say that uh, one of the things about um, after, okay, I need to read. Um, I was going to say the reason that, like, the reason I was asking that was because from my perspective, I was like, oh, yeah, they, they were raised gypsy. So her calling it her hex magic always seemed like nothing but hexing somebody because of like a witch would do. I never put like hexagon into that when I was thinking of it, but that's clever for the writers of MCU to do that. That's really smart to keep it called hex magic, but not really, you know, yeah, do that extra step, extra step. Thought that was clever. So, you know, what, uh, what about you, Maya? Did you notice anything? Yeah, no, that is hella clever. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, when Monica Rambo, when she's going back to, uh, shield to report to work after she had been gone for five years after she learns that her mother passed away her mother that was running the division there her code name was photon which is also a code name that monica used in the comics after she was no longer captain marvel she called herself photon for a while so i thought that was right. a cool little easter egg i did not so monica that, I didn't was, know that actually monica was captain marvel Yes. In in the eighties in the comics, Monica Rambeau was Captain Marvel before oh. Carol Danvers. Well, hot damn. I did not know that. They I brought did. that back too. Like like there's there's newer comics of Monica Rambeau as Captain Marvel too. That's cool yeah. shit. But when she's not under the Captain Marvel moniker, she goes by the code name of Photon. So that was a cool uh cool little nod. And I like the you know, um Somebody get Darcy a fucking coffee, please. Right. That poor girl. Um, I, mean, I do want to bring up something that I was talking about the other day. Uh, when Spider-Man uh, uh, Far From Home came out, people were kind of talking about this. There are people who rematerialized in the sky and fell to Earth because they were in planes. 100%. With with this episode and seeing how that worked, hundred percent. Is that how it worked though? I mean, what if they were? I mean, what they if they rematerialized were in the they, in the they aircraft? Re they rematerialized in the exact position they vanished from. Exactly. I mean, so longitude and latitude wise, we know yeah. for a fact. Because what if they tore the building down? I mean, some people, you know, like in that one in Infinity War Endgame, in Endgame, they were talking about how, I think it was Endgame, somebody blipped back and, or maybe it was Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, well, back. Was it Martin Starr's character in Far From Home saying that his wife thought he was d dead and she'd faked her death or something? I don't know. Somebody came back in one of the movies and like a new family was living there in their old place or something. They were all freaking out. That was 100% well, far from home. 
Like what if, okay, say your spouse disappeared five years ago. You've, you've moved on. You found a new spouse. You're mm-hmm. dead. And all of a sudden old spouse rematerializes where new spouse is. Now what happens if somebody is where you are rematerializing? Don't know, but we, we might explore that later. I wanna, yeah, I'd like to see that. What happens if you materialize into someone else? What's going to happen? The, the part of this, yeah, the part of this that that really sparked it for me was when she's running through the halls and runs into somebody who materi- rematerialized where they were previously. Yeah, like just runs right in and breaks his nose like that. That one hundred percent told me like because there was that that thought. Like after Endgame, people were like, what about the people that got blipped in the planes in the sky? And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, hopefully maybe the Hulk thought about that and like put him back on the ground before he snapped his finger. But also it was causing him great pain to do that. So he might that might not have worked. Um, But the way that like this scene happened, I was like, oh, people straight up fucking came back and died. Oh, yeah. Like if you were on a boat in the ocean. Uh huh. The boat's not there anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, are now chum. It's <laughs> that's something. Yeah, I I hadn't even thought about that. So that's that's terrifying. Yeah. Oh yeah, that that puts a, that puts a context on some things. <laughs> See, and that would be my luck. I would be on the plane, get blipped out, and then get blipped back in. And be at thirty thousand feet and nothing. I'd be like, "Well, shit." <laughs> I think what there would be me? a confusion because because your memory is like you're there, then you're not. Like you're you're like for for your context, it's just the plane plane and everyone except for like maybe five other people are gone. Yeah, it's just like that. It was like bub up. It's like I'm um, just not enough for a minute. What what the hell? You won't catch me on a plane or a boat, so that wouldn't be my situation. <laughs> uh, the the other aspect too, and then kind of far from home hit on this as well. But the other aspect that I think is fascinating is that, like, I was trying to explain this to my neighbor. If you let's say you're married to a woman, right, and you're 32 and she's 28, um, or and I said I said you're 32 and she's 30. That means you're older than her. And then when you if you got blipped and came back, she's now three years older than you. Like everyone aged five years where you didn't. Yeah. And that's like kind of what Monica's dealing with. But I also want to point something out. Um, Jimmy Woo. Um, when Monica shows up to him for the first time, he does the magic trick card thing with the with the his business card. Uh this is actually a callback to Ant-Man and the Wasp. Because if you remember, Scott Lang was doing magic tricks with cards. And Jimmy Woo's character says, how do you do? I want to learn how to do that. Oh, he's in that. I haven't seen that. So that's great. It's it's, he's only in the beginning. I think I don't remember if he's in later parts of the film, but um, when Randall, uh, what's his last name? Park. Randall Park was being asked about that. He was like, I know that Jimmy did not get blipped. He did not get snapped out of existence because he needed five years to learn that magic trick that he uses on uh, Ron. Monica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Probably. I thought that was thought that was super fucking funny. Um all right, well, let's give a grade to this episode and move on to the stand. Uh uh my um, ego first. I'm gonna give it an A. I thought it was really well done. I like how it 
tied the first three episodes together, how Darcy discovers the transmission inside the force field and how they're just watching it like it's an old sitcom. I uh, thought that was fascinating, but I like how it tied everything together, like the drones that are, they're sending inside this force field that are disappearing. And then, you know, she's finding these helico- like helicopters in the bushes with the sword logo on them and things like that. And just how it tied everything together was really well done. And I'm looking forward to seeing what next week brings. Uh, I think that... You know, you you touched on how she's totally aware that she's doing this, you know, and last week we were wondering, is she working for someone or with someone? Are they trying to contain her powers? She's basically just, it seems that she's carved her own little place out, out of nowhere and changed it and bent it to that reality. Uh, And they've just discovered it. So I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, what would you think, Betty? Oh, I loved it. I totally give it an A plus. I loved the introduction of um, old characters from the movies, and you know, getting a more understanding of why these things are showing up. You know, that was. I thought the whole episode was just fabulous. Honestly, I just, I'm excited to see where it's going to go next. So, definitely A plus. And Greg. Uh, it's a mirror what you guys said, like A plus. It was it was fantastic. I was really hoping that uh, they did Darcy justice because you know the last time we saw her was Thor two, and um, wasn't for very long. Uh, I know a lot of people found that character annoying from conversations I've had, but I I I know more. People I love Darcy. No, yeah, I love her. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm uh you know what I like about it is they did the right amount of reveal with the also right amount of questions. Added more a couple more questions too. Like um, you know, like we, we don't know what happened to the guy that was in the beekeeper suit. Did he get rewinded all the way back out through the sewer? Or is now he's stuck in this world as well? Like um, we now know that all the people in there are re- are real people. Um Another question that I have that they kind of arose is like, is that fucking uh, Vision's actual body that she recovered or is it now a a figment of her imagination? Like, which one is it? Um, That's unclear. And I love that that we have that question that'll get revealed. So um, I'm excited. I'm really excited. There's five episodes left too. Yeah, yeah. We're not even at, you know, there's nine episodes. So we're just coming up on the halfway mark, I guess. Yeah. Which I'm is, looking forward to it. Yeah, same here. I love it. Which, if you're, listening, to, if you're listening today, then the episode came out this morning. Yep. There you go. Um, all right. Let's move on to The Stand, Episode 7. Uh, I'm just going to warn you guys right now. How I felt about last week is pretty much how I feel about this week. Hmm. It's just it's just not grabbing me. It's really, really not. Uh there was a great moment in the show in the in the episode that I thought was really nice and poignant. Uh, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in it that I just find to be extra silly. Um, and I feel like there's also not a lot of how do I put this politely? This show would benefit from 20 episodes. 
I feel like there's such a rush in these last few episodes that certain characters I just have no connection to. Now, I don't know, again, I don't know if that's the way that this interpretation is written, um, because you both have said that the original series did a better job on making you care about characters, or at least that's the, the vibe that I got. Um, I'm just not... I'm not, I'm not enjoying it. I'm just not enjoying it. Like, I don't want to not enjoy it. I think that the acting is really well done. I just think the writing is subpar. It really is subpar, and it's it's boring for the most part. So I don't know. Well, you know, um, the book is very long. The book is very <laughs> long-winded. Um, it is a, a Stephen King novel, for sure. I just pulled out uh, my hard copy of The Outsider to put my computer on top of. And I was like, wow, that's a big book. I'm like... Yeah, but so is the stand. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got some really big Stephen King books and even the paperback. It was like having a quarter pan, pounder in your hand, you know? Yeah, I mean, cool. it was a big, thick book, you know? Yeah. I remember carrying that sucker around with me. Um, it's like I told Jeff when we were watching it after we were done, I felt like we started off the show. We ended last week and started this week kind of at the... 50 way mark 50% through and jump to all the way to 75% through, you know, at this, at the end of this episode. And I'm like, Whoa, we're moving quick here. And it's like, we took forever. And all of a sudden it's like, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. You know, I'm like, dang. My dad, uh, my dad, my dad was sitting there saying constantly, like, there's no way that they're going to be able to, I'm, I'm going to spoil something for you guys. I'm so not enjoying this show that I went and read what happens essentially for the rest of the story. Somebody wrote us like not a synopsis, but a uh, shortened version. Um, I, if the show still goes the same route that the book went, I really dislike that. <laughs> I really dislike that ending. Uh, You're not going to be happy then. I mean, I'm all, to be honest, I'm already not happy. Like I watched this episode, had no idea what was going on. I, in my mind, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm tired. I'm just, this show's not doing it for me. I'm going to finish it because we are reviewing it for this podcast. But I went and read what happens in Vegas and post Vegas and like the rest of the world. I even read about like how, like the stuff that he wrote in the nineties to add to the story. I'm sorry. I don't like it. I just, I just don't like it now again, again, and I can't stress this enough. I've heard people not like this version of the trash can man because it's not as interesting as the book or not as interesting as the original miniseries. Like my dad doesn't like this version of the, of the trash can man, but he loves the version in the nineties miniseries. So there was I don't know. much more depth to that character in the book and in the original miniseries. Uh, he's, I, he looked like he was going to, you know, this is going to be a great character doing some great acting for the trash can man. No, nah, he just went to the fucking silo, got a missile and hee hee hee, let's go back to Vegas. You know, and that was it. I was like, what? what? Yeah. There's What's happened here. 
It's like they spent the first five episodes on character, like focusing on characters and character development, but not on as many as they should. And like, I personally feel like, you know, the only character that got the most fucking treatment was um, the kid who in this episode was like destroyed on a tree and then shot himself in the head. I can't remember his name. Harold Louder. Harold. Harold got the f- by far the most in this miniseries. That was the most Harold of that. That was the most Harold Harold could be. That that was all. Yeah, this episode, the way it started, his whole attitude and demeanor, especially towards Nadine. Oh, yeah, I was like, yeah, it's finally he's getting to you know he's coming to terms with who his character is, and he dies. Yeah, and I mean it was great scene uh you know thematically i thought it was well done um the i did not expect nadine when she came down the elevator like that and she walked up to him i was like oh somebody has some zombie makeup done <laughs> you know? yeah baby's eating she... her from the inside out <laughs> well we've seen We've seen what happens when a uh, flag impregnates somebody before. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, again, the way they did it, though, that was like, I was like, wow, that's really, yeah, that's that was really well done. I was actually impressed with that. And I thought, overall, this was a good episode. Um, I would even give it an A. But why haven't all the episodes been this good? I mean, you know. Yeah, I think the last two episodes have been the best two episodes we've gotten. And Greg, you know, he's like, oh, I don't like these. Yeah. Well, the, the, a, lot of the reason, a lot of the reason is I just don't care about the characters. They've given me no reason to give a fuck about these characters. These characters that are supposed to be integral to the story. Um, a lot of the time when, when we do something with these characters, it's strangely obtuse. And I just, I, I don't like, it almost feels like that this miniseries would be better for people who already enjoy The Stand. And I've watched things like that in the past. I've watched uh, um, adaptations in the past that I was like, oh, this is really good. And that's because I know the source material so well. Um, but like I talked to somebody who doesn't and they're just like, ah, it's kind of garbage. And I'm like, really? And they explain why. And I'm like, okay, I kind of understand that. I'm not per se that's saying exactly what's up with this but i'll give you an example my mom's never read the stand i don't know why because she, she she has it she owns it um and she does not remember <laughs> she does not remember the miniseries and completely unprompted um well she's read like it which is like his second largest book but um uh completely unprompted at the end of this episode she just kind of was like I don't feel like I care about any of these characters. <laughs> it's like coming from her, that says a lot. Uh, and my dad, on the other hand, he's just kind of like, when I watched the original miniseries, uh, Tom, uh, Colin, and uh, Trash Came Man were my favorite characters by far. And oh, yeah. He's like, I hate the Trash Came Man in this, in this miniseries. Like, he's terrible. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, hey, he's. He's got the insane side of him down, but that's all we've gotten to see, just glimpses of it, which is sad because I think it's a waste. Mm-hmm. 
even though Not I like what sure. they're doing with it, like visually, it's like holy shit, they nailed the look. But in the portrayal, you're getting the crazy, but they're leaving a lot out. At least I think there's a lot. I want to go back to the old miniseries, right? I want to I want to go back to episode two because we had this conversation. We have two episodes left in this show, and I just and knowing what happens, like reading that that summary, uh, I think the part that or the thing that sticks out in my mind is that you guys were sitting there saying that spending that much time on Larry was going to be important later. Unless it's next episode, I don't quite see uh, how that'll come into play. Well, they're also... The way it was being presented early on made it look like they were going to nail more important aspects of things. Yeah, I thought we were going to get a little more in-depth with this stuff, the way they were pacing it in the beginning. I was like, well, this, there's got to be a trade-off. We're, we're going to be you know, delving sure, deep sure. into some character psyche, and we're not. I mean, you know, I know we've already discussed having uh, Matt on here when um, we do the final episode, yeah. but... You know, he's already not, read not, it. Not next, not as next well. episode, but the next episode. The yeah. Next, next episode. And I think we should bring, if if she'll do it, um, Heather on because she's not read it and she's loving it. I mean, she's literally just totally digging the whole thing way harder than I am. You know, so she's never <laughs> seen the miniseries, the original miniseries, and she's never read the book. So she's, she's fresh as you are, Greg, you know, and so. I think you know maybe having both of them on and seeing their perspectives from those two sides would be interesting. Because I think uh, a lot of it has to do with how I enjoy stories too. I think um, I'm I'm really big into central plot, and side stuff can be told elsewhere. Um, I like to get into the meat and bones of a story, and then as the story is going on, like like let's take the Larry thing for example. If there was a reason for us to need to know his past do a flashback versus like do this linear way of storytelling. I, I prefer uh, that. I feel like we've had way too many flashbacks and flash forwards in this thing already. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, especially, okay. I'm just going to call it as I see it. You know, I, I call this out on a lot of post-apocalyptic movies and shows. These people are damn clean. To be walking around 700 miles in the middle of effing nowhere. I'm like, pretty people look pretty. did you see Stu's shoes as he was climbing down into the broken roadway? There was like one scuff of dirt on them. Looked like they'd barely been worn. I was like, y'all, y'all got to do better. You've got to, he, he's been shaving. Who shaves in the apocalypse? I'm not shaving in the apocalypse. <laughs> uh, speaking of that, I wanted to point out that there was there was one scene in this episode that I thought was really well done. Because um, you mentioned Stu, so it sparked my memory. Uh, the scene where they get to that gap in the road uh, where Stu breaks his leg. Yeah. That whole scene was really well made. 
because for a moment in time, I actually like cared about the characters involved. And I think that's because of how it was like structured. Um, and I know the only reason I know Stu Redman's name is because that name gets brought up a lot when I hear people talking about the stand, because I can remember Larry and that was because of our conversation of, you know, a few weeks ago and uh, Randall flag. And that's fucking it. Like, I know I have a problem remembering names. If you listen to this podcast long enough, you know that that's a thing. But if a you story one is, episode, you know it's a thing. <laughs> but if a show makes me give a shit about characters enough, I will remember their names pretty well. Uh, I can't remember a single character's name in the show. Like, um, uh, I cannot remember the actor's name for like at this moment in this exact fucking moment. Um, but he's the old man with the glasses who was going to give Stu the, the pain pills. Glenn. 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 Okay. The, I, yeah. Um, that scene, that specific scene I thought was really well done. It made me give a shit about what I was seeing in the moment. So other than that. <laughs> yeah. And I understand, you know, I mean, again, I was so excited for this and I feel really, you know, kind of let down. Um, it was not the big giant, you know, cotton candy that I thought it was. You know, it was a teeny weeny no. candy. Uh, it's it's really been lacking, and I can understand why you're not connecting with the characters because these characters, if that's all I was ever presented with, I don't think I could connect with them either. I mean, they're they're very shallow. I mean, the way they're being portrayed, I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm just saying that they're very shallow characters. There's not much depth to them at all. And I find it kind of sad because it, it, again, it's such a good story. They could have gone so many places with it. We had this horribly slow drawn out pacing for all these episodes. And now we went from, you know, like I said, yeah, just breakneck speed from beginning to end of this episode, which was a little bit longer than their average episodes. And I was like, okay, well, you know, here we are. Yeah, just, I yeah, don't know I, where I think, it's going to go next week. I'm just like, what are y'all doing? I don't know what y'all are doing right now. Yeah, I think I said to my dad, I said, uh, it could just be that this is a bad adaptation. Um, I don't want to say the stand is bad because this is my only... My, my my only thing in regards to knowing the stand or the story. Uh, I will say, like, maybe in the next episode they change my mind. I don't know. They could. I doubt it. <laughs> next week is the penultimate, penultimate episode. So, uh, and I read that summary and I just went, what? Really? So, and what we can talk about that off, off camera or off uh, recording because, uh, I do want to tell you guys what I read. Um, but uh, also there's a story about a conversation with my dad that's funny that I can't talk about because of spoilers. But I spoiled it for myself because I was getting bored. I, you have to understand that like it wasn't a situation where um, I did it because I wanted to spoil for myself. I did it because I was bored. I did it because it was not as entertaining as... I, I I want it to be, you know? Oh, I completely understand that. It's, I'd say for me, it's been very, very again, as someone who's 
read the book, seen the original miniseries, I have been surprisingly let down. Surprisingly let down. I mean, do you feel that way, Maya? Uh, I mean, I'm for what it is, I'm enjoying it for the most part. But it's been 15 years minimum, maybe 20 since I watched the original miniseries. So I couldn't tell you enough from that one to see what I like better about it than this one. I do seem to remember enjoying the original more so than I am this, though. But for what it is, I, you know, I'm enjoying it fine for what it is. But it definitely does not compare to uh, other adaptations that have been done or even redone from him, from King himself. <clears throat> like the uh, uh, fun. Uh, go ahead. I said I have a fun little uh, tidbit about this adaptation. Originally, it was going to be three movies and directed by um, uh, Ben Affleck. Uh, when he when he had the script and he was he was shopping it around, he kept saying like, "It's Lord of the Rings in contemporary America, and it's going to be a trilogy of movies." Um, he wanted it to be his fucking Lord of the Rings, uh, which is funny because that's how you know King fucking described it as well. Um, but apparently it just, nobody wanted it. So, uh, Ben, I don't remember if it said he sold it or gave it to the guy who's doing this miniseries, but they, they, the reason that they agreed to it was because they could put it on the streaming service and hopefully get people there. So I don't, I don't know how much CBS actually gave a shit about the plot about the source material or anything to that regard. Yeah. If that's. If that's true, that kind of upsets me because, yeah, I totally, I could totally see this drawn out for a, you know, a three-part movie experience because, you know, it is that big. It is that expansive and it's still a good story. So, but I, I mean, what's to explain the speeding, the, the, the timing that we've had in this series because again, this is not how you know the timing in the book and the original miniseries was way better. It's way better because it didn't lag. You know, I mean, you were there. There were just steps going forward. You know, constantly, and there wasn't this constant back and forth, back and forth like we saw for the first five freaking episodes. And it was just, I've, I've, I've not been pleased. I, I'm. Again, Greg, I'm with you on this. I'm not, I'm not as plussed about this as I should be, you know. Because yeah, I, it's, again, it's, I'm the one who was like, "We need to watch this," and I'm the one who was like, "Yes, the stand." And um, like, I get it. What did I, I get do? it. Like, one of the biggest things that I've heard about the stand, mm -hmm. uh, uh, Betty, is that it is a fantastic story. Most people who enjoy Stephen King stories bring up the stand as one of his best. I get mm -hmm. it, and I would probably. I might enjoy the book. I can't say that I would because we've talked about me not enjoying Stephen King's writings in the past, but I might enjoy the book. I don't fucking know. Um, and hell, I would love to watch the miniseries, but apparently the only way you can watch it is on Vudu for $5. Whatever. Yeah. It's like, no, nowhere else, huh? Cool. Um, but uh, uh, I, I will yeah, say I, it I, is. it's worth the $5. <laughs> yeah, it is worth it. 
Oh, I honestly, I feel like I could find it for free on YouTube <laughs> at this point. Because I've watched clips. I've watched a lot of clips. Like the first time Nick meets up with uh, Tom. Uh, I've watched that whole clip, which was how I found out that the guy who does the voice of SpongeBob was Tom Collins, which is hilarious. Bill Bill Fuggerbach or whatever his name is. <laughs> How you say his last name? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, well, why don't we go ahead and give this episode a grade and then move on to the film, the little things. Uh, Betty, why don't you take the lead on this? Um, this one, I'm going to give it a B because it did a lot more action, a lot more character development did happen in this episode, but based on the episodes before it, it's not saying much in my opinion. Uh, so, I mean, you know, the the aesthetic is nice. You know, they've done well with the aesthetics outside of, you know, the same mistake that most post-apocalyptic shows make and, you know, people aren't dirty. I'm sorry. In that environment, you're going to be some dirty, nasty people. That's just all there is to it. And I, I'd, I'm very picky about that. I guess that's where my my Asperger shows is where I'm like, that's and my brain just wraps around it. It's like, that's not right. That's just not right. You're ruining this. You, know? <laughs> like, you have all, it doesn't take that much to get dirty. It doesn't take that much to get dirty. Go roll around the mud before you do your shot. You know, I mean, dang. So, I, yeah, I give it a B because it was, it was the best episode so far, but I'm still, I'm not pleased. I'm nonplussed. What about you, Maya? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to give it an A. The reason why is because we finally get to see the end of Harold fucking louder. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm telling you, he, he pulled off the obnoxious whiny shit well. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> and that guy definitely deserves some more roles, if anything. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was really... For what we got, and it was pretty fast paced, and everything really progressed. And you know, like you said, probably a good 25 30 percent of the story in just that one hour. Um, so I think it's become more than apparent that there won't be a second season, uh, yeah. it's just going to be a standalone season. I mean, yeah, they, I, I knew there be. they could draw it out. I mean. I don't think it would benefit them to draw it out any further at this point. I don't, has anybody seen what it's gotten on IMDb? Like a six. Low ratings. That's it's not bad. good. Like it's not great. Like a six out of ten, I think, is the last time I saw. Yeah, that's not good. Because it should be much higher than that. Well. What's the original miniseries have? I don't know, but I'll look. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know either. Well, while you're looking that up, I'll go ahead and give my grade. Um, it's all yeah. C minus. Solid C minus. It's, you know, it's not the worst TV I've ever seen by like by a long shot, but it's just. I think the weirdest part to me is that for the sake of acting and cinematography, it's really well done. Everything looks really nice. It looks crisp. Everyone's doing their job the best that they can. Uh, but I think the writing is where this story suffers. At least the writing for the script of this. Yeah. Um, it's yeah the screenplay. Uh, yeah, the screenplay. I, I, I know that I'm not. I know that I'm supposed to feel sad for Mother Abigail dying. I didn't. I didn't care. That's, that's you didn't a, get that's to know problem. her well enough to care. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So, 
the the original miniseries in the nineties has a seven point two rating. Uh, the current rating on this one is a five point five. Oof. So, Big oof. Again, yeah. five point five is not like oh, it's abysmal. Abysmal is like a two or a three. But yeah, but when you know the story and you know the potential it has, I mean, if the nineties one is in the sevens rating and this is a five point five, that's a problem. A fifty five percent on a on a on a school grade is a failing grade. So yeah. Certainly. All right, well, hopefully, maybe the next two episodes will be better. I don't know. We're going to watch them regardless. We're going to review them, and we're going to have Matt on when uh, Episode 9 premieres, or after Episode 9 premieres. So um, hopefully we'll get uh, – who did you say, Betty? Heather. 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 We'll get Heather on as well. Um, I, was, I didn't want, I didn't want to say a name and say the wrong name, but I knew. <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll get them on. We'll get their opinions on it. Uh, Matt being a fan of the book and Heather being in my position. This mm-hmm. being the only introduction, so apparently and she, she loves is it. And a I don't. Stephen King fan. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I mean, you, I wouldn't say that I'm not a Stephen King fan. Like, I was very excited for it, chapter one and two. I would, I like, whenever they adapt any of his stories, I'm always very interested. So. Yeah, they have some um, interesting adaptations of uh, some of the shorter stories he's done. I don't know if you've seen like Gerald. Gerald's yeah, game. game. Yeah, that's in the original. And I remember. The, and I remember reading that story and being freaked the fuck out. I was like, "No one's ever going to handcuff me to a bed, and no one's ever taking <laughs> me to a cabin in the middle of the woods. It's just not happening," you know. And I loved, I loved Gerald's game. I mean, it creeped me right the fuck out, just like the book did. But the, the stand huh? is leaving me. I mean, I'm just sad. I will say my mom did say something that made me laugh and she goes this story like isn't Stephen King-esque and I was like what do you mean she's like it's not scary and I was like the hell are you talking about and she goes yeah like Stephen King stories are supposed to be scary and I went not all of them and she goes what's well, so and I said there's two of his adaptations that are fantastic fucking films and and no more than like four anyway fucking stand by me uh Green Mile Shawshank Redemption all written by him mm-hmm. and they're fantastic Fantastic uh, movie. And I just recently watched Stand By Me within the past month because it had been a while. The movie still holds up. Oh, yeah. And I then we have The Running Man. Oh, that's right. He did write that. Oh, for, every, <laughs> for every Stand By Me, we have a Running Man. Yeah. <laughs> I knew there was four. I, I was like, I, I believe there's four, but... Oh, there was more than that. Oh, there's so many more than that. He's done a lot of short stories. Claiborne. Oh, uh, yeah. History. History. Um, No, well, okay. Well, hold on. Time out. Like, those are, those aren't what I was putting, like, because I don't consider Stand By Me, Green Mile, uh, Shawshank Redemption, or um, uh, Running Man to be in any way, shape, or form what you guys just described as Dolores Claiborne and Misery. Like those are, I don't want to say they live in different the worlds, the man. <laughs> we live in different worlds. <laughs> Cause those kind of women, they live around here. <laughs> I don't know about where you're from, but we have all kinds of crazy. There's a sense, there's a sense of terrifying. There's a sense of, of like anxiety that goes with, those stories, whereas I feel the other four that we mentioned don't. 
that's more so what I'm getting. I'm getting. I'm talking about the feel of the story versus the. Oh, the, I like, still think there's a level of anxiety. Scary. You know, again, there's still a level of anxiety to those stories. I mean, every story has a level of anxiety, or it's not a good story. It's you a know? different type of anxiety. Like watching Misery, I'm not sitting there going like, "Man, I hope he makes it out of jail." <laughs> like it's not. It's the. It's different. Is what I'm getting at, and I feel like when we talk about stories that are not scary from Stephen King, um, I don't put Dolores Claiborne and misery into the camp that I would I would put the other four that we mentioned. I wouldn't put misery in there. I like to me, Hilarious. there's not a whole lot of, there's not a lot of fun, funny, like camaraderie moments <laughs> in Dolores Claiborne and misery. So that's, there is a lot He's had a lot of stories adapted. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 No, my dad and I like ran through like a bunch of them the other day. We were like, "Have we seen this? Seen this one? Have we seen this one?" Like, I also wouldn't put thinner in scary, but it definitely is like really not in this. Scene. Just the idea of it being cursed to where you're wasting away and withering away to nothing—that's fucking terrifying. Again, I when I say scary, I what I mean by scary is like it. Or Cujo, or Christine—that's scary. Whereas misery is, the purge is not scary. scary. Uh, not horror movie scary. Really? You don't think the purge is horror movie scary? No. Wow. No, because I do. People are the most terrifying monster there is. They really are. People scare the shit out of me. And <laughs> it's like, you know, <clears throat> when it's when it comes to horror movies and stuff, I love things with ghosts. I love things with zombies. I love supernatural all the way. But you put some real people doing some things up in there that, you know, real people could actually do. That's when I start getting scared. That's when I get nervous. And I'm like, oh, no, I can't watch this. This is too much for me. I've watched The First Purge. Not any of the rest of them because it's like, what is wrong with you people? Why this is that's terrifying to me. That that's the real horror movie in my opinion. I mean, you, you can definitely go that route. I'm not saying that that's an impossibility, but when I when I talk about horror, um, it more so goes into could the movie have a jump scare that fits into what we're watching? So. Horror is, uh, horror does not, does not fit, um, in my mind, doesn't fit Misery, doesn't fit Dolores Claiborne. Uh, shit, I mean, horror wouldn't even fit into Needful Things, but, oh, by the way, speaking of Needful Things, there's a, go ahead. I have a totally different opinion. Yeah, I just... I don't know. I, I would put some of those in some real straight up. Yeah, not supernatural, but people be crazy horror movie well, type I'm not, situations. You know, talking, I'm not talking about supernatural per se because I mean slasher films aren't per, aren't necessarily supernatural. Sure, people can sit there and say like, "The hell's a killer get there?" Supernatural, but um, like, how does Jason stay alive? But um, uh, those have the potential of a jump scare. Um, I think. I think I a good think, movie. I don't. I don't think it has to be classified 
has to have a jump scare in it to classify it as a scary thing, though. No, but I'm talking about for the sake of, of calling it a scary movie. That's what I'm talking about. Like, it needs to have a factor in it that legitimately is scary. Not just scares you, but is scary overall. Um, Hell, the concept and... alone with several of these things that we mentioned are scary as fuck. You honestly... See, I, I don't... Look at it. Look at it, look at it from this perspective. Look at Shawshank. It's not a scary movie, is it? Unless you've ever faced the... What if you were <laughs> the person who is innocent being accused and convicted of a crime? Then it's terrifying. Yeah, that's okay, what I was going to say. You're being yeah. semantic now. Like, I'm sorry, you're being semantic now. Like, that's not, that's not the definition of a scary movie. A scary movie has context in it that make you feel safe in your chair, but you're also watching somebody fight for their life. In, in a in a very direct way, that's it, that's a scary movie. Something that has something that could potentially scare you down the line if if it came back up. I've never felt that way about Shawshank Redemption. I've never felt that way about Stand by Me, and I've never felt that way about Misery. I, I felt that, that way about, about Alice Joe. in Wonderland. I I honestly I feel that way about Alice in Wonderland. That movie scares me. <laughs> it's very dark and scary and depressing. But, you know, honestly, Greg, um, my daughter would agree with you. Uh, she was hiccuping last night, and we were threatening to scare her. And she was like, you can't scare me if I'm prepared for it. And I was walking by at the time, so, of course, I, rah! And, and she's like, that's a startle. That's not a scare. It's not the same thing. I was like, are you serious? They're on the same scale. Startle's at this end. And, you know, scared is at this end. <laughs> I but, scared the absolute I, shit out of Madison so bad two days ago that it brought tears to her eyes and she she literally cried and I felt horrible about it. What did but you do? I just hid in her room and jumped out at her. Oh. She didn't know that I was in there. So she walked in. I was like, ah. Yeah, I think Lydia would kill me if I did that. She, she jumped in midair, landed flat on her ass and started, tears were welling up. And I was like, Oh God, I just meant to make you jump. I didn't mean for you to get like literally scared. She was clutching her chest and like having a hard time breathing. I was like, I did not mean for that to happen. And I felt horrible for hours. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> We've all, I honestly, I've done that to my sister many, many times over the years. I've ever since we were kids, I love scaring the shit out of her. <laughs> it's so much <laughs> fun. It's like when she's lived here, we have a hallway in the middle of the house. It's all dark and our bathrooms on uh, one of the hallway sides and I'll creep through the hall when she's in the bathroom, leave the lights off and wait for her to open the bathroom door. And she doesn't know I'm there and just scare the shit out of her. And she jumps, she screams tears. She does circles. It's rather funny to me. It's not so funny <laughs> to her. Yeah. But yeah. Is, this, like, is this Heather? Yeah, I'm like, you're not dead uh, yet, so it's all good. <laughs> um, so I, want, I wanted to look up on IMDb um, how Dolores Claiborne and Misery are classified. And they're not classified as horror at all. Like, they don't, they okay, have uh, drama and thriller. Drama and thriller for Misery. And then Dolores Claiborne is... Thriller. Dolores Claiborne is crime, drama, mystery, thriller. So that's... Mm. I'm not saying they are horror movies. I'm just saying there are terrifying aspects about them that would, where I'm not some arguing that. find them That's, scary. That's all I was saying. 
and 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 what I'm getting at when when I talk about scary movies that Stephen King has written, um, I I do not put Misery and Dolores Claiborne in the same category as the other four that we mentioned or the other actual scary movies that he's written. That's what I'm talking about. Like it's in its own camp. Well, again, it's me. Dolores Claiborne is not. I wouldn't classify it as the same as the others. The scary movies that he's done simply because there's nothing supernatural to them. You know, most of King's um, works do have a supernatural element to them in one respect or another. Uh, Green Mile even had a little magical aspect to it. You know, I I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to talk about King and how he portrays black people. (laughs) So um, it's, it is, you know, it is what it is. And we're, I think everybody's different when it comes to, you know, what they find scary and what other people find sure. scary. You know, well, it's like, it's like you, it's, I couldn't watch The Strangers because I got like 15 minutes in and I was terrified because I, I don't know, I got some PTSD from shit in my past, man. And I'm just like, no, I can't, I can't do this because I already have a nightmare disorder. I'm fighting off zombies, ghosts weird shit all the time in my dreams and but i came to think about it because i do use horror as a remedy for that because you know they'll tell you stay away from it and i immerse myself in it to a degree because you know what i i may be finding myself in a zombie horror but i've never been bitten so that says something (laughs) i do want to i do want to bring something up um i I think I didn't classify the purge as horror because it felt more like it was a survival story and less of a scary oh, is that movie. What you... but, okay. But it a hundred percent is under horror. It's a horror thriller is what it's classified under. Um, yeah. Maybe. I consider it horror because people be crazy and that terrifies me. <laughs> I, I get it. Like I get where you're coming from entirely. Um, it's just like the point I was getting at with this whole, whole conversation was that it was really funny to me that my mom specifically put Stephen King as a horror writer and I'm like not all of his stories are horror they're just not they're not so but he is considered the master, master of horror. horror yeah totally get it totally get it that, I, I mean get that's where been she's a classification from, but... of his for decades all right. because so that is something on. that he writes more than he doesn't to be fair yeah but yeah, let's move on to the little things. Um, so I'm really interested to hear your guys' take because I haven't I have a take that's uh, it's weird. That's the way that's the way I can put it. So uh, Maya, do you have a synopsis ready or uh, little things? It's a 2021 American neo noir crime film uh, that follows two police officers from different precincts who are trying to track and catch a serial killer set in 1990 era Los Angeles when they find a strange man who becomes their top suspect. So. So I want to. Hmm. I want to hear your take, Betty, because you seem to, you said, you said you liked it a lot. I so I want to hear, I want to hear what you have to say. Um, I really didn't know what we were going to be watching when we started this. Uh, we watched the trailer. I was like, okay, I like the casting. 
Got a couple of crazy looking guys in there. Let's see where it goes. You know, so, um, yeah, I liked the setting that it had. Um, the story overall was very, very intriguing. Um, I loved the fucking ending. I called it, but I loved it. So <laughs> I knew what was going to happen at the end, uh, you know, with the red regret and stuff. I knew that was going to be how it went down. And it, it, I mean, I think it wrapped up and left me curious enough at the same time as there's a little bit more to this story. I'd love to know, you know, cause he, he was down pat on how to bag that shit up and dispose of everything. Even for a cop, he was spot on with his disposal method. You know, I mean, and it does kind of leave you wondering, did he really do it? You don't really know. I mean, I thought Jared Leto's character was great. I thought Remy Malik was great. Denzel Washington. Um, one continuity fact that I didn't like. Again, we're going back to the 90s. The moment that Jared Leto's character, Sparma, walked into that bar, it should have been smoky. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, you've been in the bar in the 90s. It ain't soon yeah, you walk in. It's there, it was a, you know, you walk into a bar, it was a cloud of smoke the moment you walked in. So I was like, mm -mm, that's not realistic. Where are the wispy whirls of, you know, the smoke trails when he opens the door? This is not, yeah. I was yeah. in some bars in that time period, and that's not what they look like. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, true. other than that, I, I really liked it because I when we first went into it, I didn't know we were setting completely in the 90s. I did not know that this was a, you know, time piece. So uh, I thought we were going to be like, you know, looking back at the 90s and then coming to the present and no. And I think the way they filmed it, um, they did a really good job. I mean, I thought overall it was, I watch a lot of true crime stuff and, you know, murder mysteries and things like that because women are weird. We like to look at the multiple ways we can die. You know, <laughs> um, so so I we think, can plan on how to avoid think, it. Yeah, and that's yeah, another thing I, think, I gotta I think bring up. The thing with the um, the girl with the red barrette, she went running. She's with that dude, and she's like, "Oh no, no, you don't have to run with me. It's only three blocks." What girl in her right mind, running at night, tells a guy, "Oh no, you don't have to run with me. It's only three blocks." No, that has never come out of a smart woman's mouth ever. You offer to walk me to a car? Yes, I will take you up on it. I don't care if you can see my car from where we're standing. It's dark. You're a big dude. I'm a little girl. You're going to walk me to my car. <laughs> That's just all there is to it. I found that highly unrealistic because that is something that we teach our daughters from a very young age is how to be self-aware of your surroundings and how to protect yourself any time that you are out in the public or might feel threatened based on your situation and your gender. It's, it's so, yeah, that was, that was highly unrealistic for me. I was like, nah, that mama didn't raise no fool. 
You know, you don't go running by yourself three blocks. That's insane. I wouldn't go running one block by myself in the dark. No, I, I wouldn't go running in the daylight. <laughs> it's like, you know, I mean, I remember being young. I remember being stupid. They didn't always intersect. You know, when I put my life on the line, it, it was not over a jog. You know, that was that was kind of crazy. But I mean, otherwise, I think the timing, the the look of it, the feel, everything just kind of really worked itself into a really good true crime drama. Well, it's not true crime, but a crime drama. What did y'all think? Go ahead, Greg. Go ahead, Maya. No, no, no. <laughs> <go ahead. laughs> was it become a phone call suddenly? I fell asleep. I didn't like it. Uh, I did not like it at all. I fell asleep halfway through it. I had to back up and go rewatch what I'd fallen asleep through. Fell asleep about 20 minutes later in. Had to back up and watch again. Not it where I thought you were going. No, I did not care for it. Greg? I'm right in the middle. So watching this, I was like, it's expertly uh, acted. It's really well that, directed. Yeah, um, you got Rami, you got Rami Malik and Denzel Washington, great actors. You have Jared Leto. Leto. No, he's not a great no. actor. But I disagree. I think well, I think I he's a great actor. He's just stand him. He's very pompous. That's my problem. I'm always. He yeah, I'm, crazy. He has gotten roped into that crazy character guy. You know, I mean, when was the last same character you saw Jared Leto play? I probably agree. Urban Legend. <laughs> yeah, it's been a hot minute. He's played crazy for a long time, so I think he did the crazy very well. If if you didn't, if you didn't hash it out to the end, I totally understand. The pacing was a bit slow and again this is not our typical purview so i was i, I don't know if if you knew what we were looking at here greg when you decided to pick this movie if this was up your alley or because it is not it what we typically watch um I, I i i enjoy a good murder mystery type of movie i enjoy a good like detectives trying to find the bad guy type of movie my problem with this movie is that um i thought it was all very ho-hum uh, the the it's 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 a bizarre situation to me because the story is it's vanilla ice cream. It's fine. There's nothing inherently wrong with vanilla ice cream, but it's boring for the most part. Um, and that's what was so bizarre to me about this movie. There was nothing inherently wrong with the movie. They did everything really well. The '90s setting was really done. Were done super well. The acting was really fucking good. Cinematography, like the way it was. I actually thought the pacing was done well, but everything else about this movie was just, eh. like, I think that just fell script. short of that, what it could. It fell short of what it could have done. Oh, no, I think, I think, I think I another really part liked of this is, it. I think another part to this is that I I read about where when the script was written and the guy who wrote it wrote it in 1993 and could not get like he wanted Steven Spielberg to direct it. And he wanted um, uh, Clint Eastwood to be the old detective. And he wanted, um, I don't remember who the young one was. 
was it uh, I think it oh, fuck I'll look that up but the the villain or the I don't know if you want to call him a villain but the um Sparmo, Sparmo he wanted to played by uh, uh I know it's a fun word to say isn't it Danny DeVito is who he wanted him to play uh which I know is crazy um but uh <laughs> the other thing I, know, I, I can't see I can't see Danny DeVito working as a repairman anywhere <laughs> yeah, well, that is one of the things I said to Jeff. I was like, I am very impressed by Jared Leto's pot belly. I mean, he's been working on that. <laughs> uh, Warren I, Beatty was definitely... supposed to be the young, the young detective. Warren Beatty? In 1993, like, yeah. In 93, he was still in his fucking 60s. How old was Clint Eastwood? Or 50s at least, because he wasn't a young man when he did Dick Tracy in 89. He was already in his 50s. When I say young, I mean younger than the fucking old detective. Uh, uh, he was born in, he was born in 37, so he would have been... In 93? Yeah, 93 would have been... I'm doing 56. Math. 56, yeah. Yeah. And Clint Eastwood would have been... Uh, he was probably he had only been seven years. He's seven years. He's seven years older than Warren Beatty. So sixty-three. They would look the same on the screen. <laughs> it's very much a strange, strange casting choice. I'll give you that. But yeah, it was like Steven Spielberg didn't want to direct it because it was too dark. And uh, so, like, but he has been interviewed. and He was like, "Yeah, I wanted these people to play the role." So they never got past fucking shopping the script around. Um, and I think. Honestly, if this movie had gotten made in 1993 and released, it'd have been better. Uh, why would it have been better? We hadn't seen movies like this then. I've seen much darker and better fucking detective stories. I don't want to bring well, seven into it. I but don't, seven. Yeah, for me personally, this was not just a detective story. This was the delving into the psyche of these two men. And not sure, just the two men, the three of them. It's delving into the psyche. And Denzel Washington is, you know, the one piece that holds the whole thing together. And to see a character story. Uh, to see how, you know, again, he folds it out at the end with the uh, the red barrette. I called it when we were watching it. I I told Jeff, I was like, This is this is what it's gonna be, you know, and I was like, Yep that all right but i still liked it i loved that ending because it wasn't completely and wholly didn't answer any questions ambiguous we know that sparma's taken off the streets whether or not he was killing this girls is still kind of up to question but you still get the feeling that he was not a good person you know he you drive a guy out into the middle of nowhere and you're basically having him dig holes for you. You're not a good person. You know, I, I don't... You get hit with a shovel one time, though, and that <laughs> kills you? I'm like, really? He's dug how many holes by now? He could have had that much force behind it, you know? It 100% should have been a gun. Like, he should have pulled out a gun and shot him in the head instead of hitting him with a shovel. I thought that was very strange as well. Well, and you do and know that... Uh, Denzel Washington's character, he's in the uh, first case that they were doing where he's, you know, he's the detective and they're out there at the crime scene. He shot that girl. She was still alive. Yeah. 
when she made that noise and he shot her and everybody knew and was covering it up. And I think that's why the chief of police didn't want him there. It's not because he was a bad well, person, crazy, but you know, he, he, he well, ran a were, risk. They were the partners. They were partners yeah. on that call. So it was just a reminder of a horrible time and a horrible mistake. And that's that why he didn't work in there. That they covered yeah. up. But and I going felt back bad. To, I felt bad for the other detective's family and him, though, at the end of all that, because you know it's not an easy job. And he was such a bright and shiny star once he got me and when he first got in there and wanted to do all this great stuff. And that that one thing just totally broke him. I don't know if he, he would ever be able to go back into work again, you know, after that. I mean I thought this was more of a character story. You know, it was it was crime, definitely not true crime, but it was definitely a crime drama, crime murder. But I thought it was also you, more of a psyche driven. You're 100 percent correct. It, it is absolutely a character study film. Um, uh, it it and it does a lot of things correctly. That's what's so bizarre to me, Betty, is that it's not a bad movie, it's, but it's all but it's also not a good movie. And I think that's because it doesn't do anything unique. Yeah, it doesn't do just... anything substantially. Like, holy shit, I'm going to remember this movie for years to come. For me. Well, you know, and yeah, it didn't do anything that unique. Um, the one thing that I did feel like it did was, um, you know, again, watching a lot of the crime documentaries or, you know, YouTube little things like that. Uh, it was kind of filmed in that kind of manner in the fact that we never saw anything gory on scene there there was no you know mutilated girls there was nobody doing it there was nobody we didn't see anything hardcore you know they told the story without having to get graphic about it i guess is the one way to put it i thought that was unique that that was a perspective you don't see a lot on the big screen is being able to tell a story like this without getting graphic about it but maybe that's just me. I don't know. In the apartment, I thought it was graphic enough. Oh, I didn't think it was that graphic. I mean, you know, it was bad, but I just don't think it got, you know, it a was lot 1990s. of Well, even back then, you know, things that you would see, you would always, you know, you'd have like, there would be things that you would see. Uh, and this was more like a a character study done in a YouTube style without telling it, just telling the story without being overly graphic about it. Sure. That's just how I, I loved when he climbed on the roof. <laughs> I started laughing because it made me think of the boys. I was like, nobody ever looks on the roof. Nobody ever looks on the roof. You know? <laughs> yeah. The, they I, usually I, I, don't. Like... <laughs> Hello kitty. I think that's just, I think that's just the thing about the, it's, it's, that's what's so bizarre to me about this is it has excellent fucking star power and talent and and it doesn't do anything wrong it's like i think about the plot of the film and i'm like no it was the the plot was fine it just <laughs> that's know. the problem it's it me was, not it was you just there it was just there it's just like eh, okay i like it, it. it, it uh, I, I think I'm harsh in my assessment. You know, I didn't hate it, 
but I didn't enjoy it enough to, I wasn't enthralled by it and I did fall asleep twice. Did you finish it? Yeah, I finished it. I backed it up and rewatched what I'd missed, but I was just left underwhelmed. I was just like, well, that was a two hour movie that I stretched into almost three hours, but yeah, it's. And I, I like, liked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to well, get the grades. Cause it, I want I want to hear the grades of each of us because I know where mine is. <laughs> so I'm going to start with you, Betty, because I feel like you're going to give it the highest grade. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I definitely give it an A. I enjoyed the shit out of it. <laughs> I mean, as a girl uh, who loves true crime, yeah, I thought this was a great little story, you know, and. They managed to tell a story without the massive waves of technology we have today, without being overly graphic about it. Um, and it wasn't just the story of the crime. It was the story of the psyche of the people who solved them. So I thought, you know, again, I liked it. I really liked it. I thought the character cast was great. I thought they did great with their roles. I was drawn in and intrigued. And so, yeah, definitely an A. What about you, Maya? I give it a D plus, C minus D plus. It's only a one point difference. I mean, it wasn't horrible, but it wasn't enjoyable for me. So, I mean, there were things that you know. Everything. Why are you laughing so much? Uh, because well, like my review is right in the middle, right in the fuck of it. It's a C plus for me. That's why I'm laughing. Okay. That we're we're all three different on this one movie. It just it's just yeah. so I, I gotta I ask, Greg, what did you it. think we were getting into when when you picked it? I mean, what were what were your expectations of it? Um, I knew well I I knew it was gonna be a, a murder mystery story. I knew that that these two detectives, if you will, were trying to hunt down Jared Leto. I knew that. Um and I knew like kind of an idea of what roles they were going to play where Rami Malek is younger. Like I had a very good idea of what, of what we were going to watch. What excited me about it was the, 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 the stars. I was like, these characters or these actors have always picked up roles that are unique and memorable. And this movie just wasn't any of that. Uh, it wasn't unique. It wasn't memorable. Um, I'm not going to, in 10 years from now, be like, you remember the little things? That movie was fantastic. Like, I'm just not going to happen. Oh, and... I will. Maybe it's because I'm a cop's daughter. Maybe that's it. I don't know. <laughs> I mean. Like I said, I love a good murder mystery. and and But I, I also want my stories to try to do something different. And this didn't. It just didn't. It was, it seemed very cookie cutter in a lot of places. Um, I saw a lot of things coming because they telegraphed it hard. Well, they um, did. Um, but honestly, I feel that way with most movies. I, I feel like the tele either the telegraphing is really, really good or I'm a motherfucking psychic. It's one of the two. So we're going to go with the telegraphing is really good. <laughs> I'll, say this, I'll, I'll say this. This this plot to me would have made like I would have thought that this would be something that would be on like a, a, a made-for-TV movie. That's where this plot, I feel like, would go. But You not. know what? As a, as a made-for-TV made movie, it's a B. As a theatrical release, it's a D+. 
I mean, it's it was better than Wonder Woman. Nineteen eighty-four. Well, I get Wonder Woman nineteen eighty-four and F. So yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I didn't fall asleep through this movie, but I definitely found myself in a lot of places going. Aww. So yeah, yeah, I I know when we started it, Jeff wasn't that excited about because again, this is not the typical things that we watch. This is not something that him and I would have picked out on our own to watch. I would have, but he wouldn't have. So, you know, I found it intriguing. Um, I found the psyche studies and everything into it. Just, I don't know. I, I like the way that they they were able to... I, I got invested with the characters themselves, the two detectives. Wow. What was that? Garbage truck. Uh, the garbage, oh. garbage truck is picking up garbage right now. So <laughs> sorry that you're hearing that, everybody. Because, like, that's not my garbage truck. I was like, is the ghost here? What's up? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, they Mine usually pick it up on Tuesday. Mornings. They usually pick it up Tuesday morning, so I'm not, I'm surprised to hear it right now. Well, but, it's um, Groundhog Day. The garbage day. truck saw its shadow yesterday and decided to go yeah, back like, and hibernate for six hours. <laughs> well, that's what's so funny to me, Betty, about this entire <laughs> plot is that what you're saying is correct. Like, what you're saying about this is is right. Um, it is a decent character study. It is a decently made movie. There's again, nothing inherently wrong. I just think that this movie is vanilla ice cream. It's just vanilla ice cream. But I like vanilla ice cream. No sprinkles, no syrups, nothing. That's what you're wrong. I think it was vanilla ice cream with some freaking sprinkles and some whipped cream and a cherry on top. I thought it was really good. That's that's great, <laughs> and I'm I, and and I don't think that you're wrong in in feeling that way. Um, I imagine a lot of people feel that way about this movie, but to me, it was like, I mean, I'll tell you what, Wonder Woman to me was like someone going, "Hey, do you want a piece of pie? Like a good piece of apple pie?" And I go, "Yes, I do. Cool. Do you want some ice cream to go with that? Yeah, hell yeah, that sounds great." And then they put the fucking cold ice cream on top of the hot pie. That pisses me off. That's Wonder Woman. That's the way I it's supposed pie. to be done. I hate that's the way pie. pie. I That's fucking the way it's hate supposed to be done, though. A better, a better thing, it. a better thing to say is, "Hey, you want this delicious piece of pie? Yeah, here you go." And then just throw it down and stomp it, and then pick <laughs> it back up and say, "There." That's one. I of think no, because yeah. my my analogy doesn't work in regards to that. It, it, it it's it's in regards to things I don't like. <laughs> That's why I said that. Do you like, like dirt sure, in your I don't pie? like. I don't like somebody stomping on my pie. But okay. what I'm talking about is is I don't like pie a la mode. So handing me a piece of pie, I love that. Handing me a, piece, a, some, like a scoop of ice cream, I love that. Putting them on top of each other, I fucking hate that. So that was Wonder okay. Woman to me. This movie was like just a scoop of vanilla ice cream. And I'm like, I'll eat it. It's fine. I would prefer some chocolate sauce or some, uh, some whipped cream. I would prefer a cherry on top, but I never got that. I never got those ingredients. Well, I did, and I loved them every single last fight. <laughs> Thank you. And I don't, maybe it is because I'm a cop's daughter. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's just I, I get invested sometimes in these stories, maybe a little more than I should. But you know, again, I really, really liked it. I think Jeff would probably give it a B. Not his thing, but he said it wasn't bad done. He he just not his thing. Um, also, just I to clarify it. on my on. Just to clarify my taste and personality, like I'm not above watching. Like I, I will watch whatever. I don't, I don't have like a uh, 
genre that I stick to. I prefer comedy. Like I like comedy. I'll go out of my way to watch comedy. But like, if um, if someone's like, "Hey, let's watch a movie," and they pop on a fucking like love story, I'll watch it, <laughs> and I might like it. I well, know. yeah, I'm typically that way. I'm I don't turn things down for the most part. But if I was going to go, you know. Uh, what movie do you want to watch tonight, honey? This would not be at the top of our list. There are plenty of other things out there that we haven't seen yet that he would choose over top of this any day. I'm not going to lie about that because there, I don't remember seeing this advertised anywhere. I don't remember any hype about this movie online. Um, and, and again, I thought it was very well done. I thought that, you know, if they advertised it in the right way, it probably could have done better, but Again, it's not for everybody, you know. Again, like you said, it was a great story, a good story, uh, well done, just meh for you. Yeah, for me, yeah, I was like, Oh, dang, there's that red beret, you know. That was me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I get that, I totally get that. Um, that's why I find that this review is fascinating because all, all three of us are drastically different from one another when talking about it, like, we see it differently. Like, Maya was like, a D plus at best. Yeah, uh, and like Ken, I didn't think I was gonna like it going into it. I really thought eh, this isn't really gonna be my thing, but let's go for it. And then I was and like, I thought I was gonna like it a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you know, twenty I minutes too, in, because I like I'm Denzel like, Washington. I'm just sitting there watching it. I was like, oh, what's going on? That stupid girl. She'll go running three blocks at night. I mean, again, this made an impact on me. So, but yeah, that. Here we are. That's funny. So I that's, guess that's as a group, funny. we could give it a C plus, maybe low B minus rating. Well, I think I don't. I don't want to do that per se, like we did with the 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 other thing. But what I do want to say is that that's what the, this conversation is. Why I love this podcast. If you listen to this podcast and you go, I align with Betty more than the other two, or I align with Maya more than the other two, you know what you're getting. I love well, that all three of us saw this movie differently. Yeah, and yes. you know, I think I'm surprised by my own opinion on this. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to bet some other people will be surprised too. Because again, this is not something I I pictured myself enjoying. But 20 minutes in, I was totally enjoying it. Yeah. Um, so I'll I'll, t I'll tell you this: there's a movie on Apple TV that um, stars Justin Timberlake, and it's apparently like a kind of a drama movie. I prob I don't know if I'd like that or not, but like my brain goes, you wouldn't like it. <laughs> so I don't know. Like there's it's always it's always in that situation where you're just like, I don't think I'd like this. And then you just yeah. do or vice versa. When you get to the end of the intranets for the moment, you might go and watch it if you know you ain't if you can't find anything else. I totally get that. And you know, again, I was not when I went and looked it up and watched the trailer, I was like well, this is an odd choice, Greg. How did we end up here? You know, because uh, because again, know. I really, I really like Rami Malek. That was my, that was my draw. Oh, okay, all right, yeah, yeah. I love Rami Malek too. So I get that. And then I was like, um, Ooh, Denzel Washington, all right. And I, regardless of what Maya says, I do think Jared Leto is a good actor. I just think he's also a pretentious douche who does method acting, and I fucking hate that shit. So whatever. Yeah, same. It's like Jim Carrey. It's like great actor, pretentious douche. Um, actually, if you haven't listened to the episode where we talk about uh, 
Jim Carrey, the documentary we covered of him? Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of the documentary. But it's where he's filming. It's He's filming the movie uh, for that. He, it was a biopic of Andy Kaufman called Man on the Moon. And they, they filmed the behind the scenes stuff, but it's like Jim just being a complete shit heel because he's method acting. It's a, it's a fantastic movie, but it's very much in that ballpark of how I see Jim Carrey, like love the art, not the artist <laughs> situation. Yeah. Well, you know, he was married to Jenny McCarthy. So uh, that says a lot about him right there. Cause she's really a fucking anti-vaxxer. Uh, Jim, so Jim is, Jim is arguably just as bad. Like he's, he's uh, yeah, he's, like, I mean, again, I like his art. I love his acting. I don't know if I'd particularly care for him at all as a person. I see Jared Leto the exact same fucking way. The exact yeah. same way. Totally but, get it. Um, um, but yeah, guys, I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, next week we'll be covering the fifth episode of WandaVision and the penultimate episode of The Stand. We don't have a movie or anything planned, probably just because we're going to have a discussion. Uh, bring up a topic. I don't fucking know. We'll see. Um, but uh, make sure you follow us on all the socials listed below. Uh, check out the store on, is it Redbubble? I think I wrote that down. Redbubble, right? Teespring. No? Teespring. I got it wrong again. Check out the store on Teespring. We have a bunch of stuff there if you want to have our cartoon faces. Well, actually, they're more like comic book faces. On a <laughs> shirt or a mug, you can go get that. They're not, they're, not in, they're not too expensive. I think the mug is, what, 10 bucks, 15 bucks, something like that? 15, and the shirts, you know, start at like 21 or 22. And they have no, no, it's not. And hey, any proceeds, you know, what few bucks we get kicked back from that go into basically upkeep of the show. Um, yeah, um, yeah, the big time Uh, because you know, hosting fees and all that, that stuff ain't free. It's not. It is not. Um, also, uh, uh, if you're listening to the audio version of this and you'd like a little bit more of a video version, we do. We are uploading video versions on YouTube. Everyone, say hi to the camera. Um, you can see our faces talking to one another. It's like a Brady Bunch situation there, right? Here. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, go go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we're. Um, I also plan on uploading reviews, like solo reviews. I don't know. I like. I'm gonna do it. Betty and Maya can do it if they want, but um, like I, I watched all of Ted Lasso and I watched uh, all of Doom Patrol and I want to give those reviews. So I haven't done it yet because, well, life is fucking busy. Is it not? Yeah. Um, it but yeah, go subscribe to the YouTube. We're going to put a lot of more stuff on there. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, other than that, Maya, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me on Facebook under my regular name. Uh, you know, uh, it's a public profile, so if you want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, etc., you can do so. It's linked there publicly. Uh, other shows you can catch me on, aside from this show with you guys every week, you can catch me on the Realm of Collectors YouTube channel uh, on every other Wednesday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on a show called Figure Banging, and every 9 p.m. Eastern on Friday nights uh, on the Nerd Life Syndicate. So... You know, if you're listening today or watching today, come and check us out and hang out in the live chat tonight. It's a good time. That's me. Betty, where can they find you? Well, apparently y'all are totally down with using your names here. And I've just gone with Lil Libby. 
because we've been funny for the past few weeks. So uh, um, uh, you can find me under Betty Badger Ogletree on Facebook or Bright Betty on Twitter, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> what about you, yeah, Greg? AKA Chub Rock Geek. Because I wanted to have my Twitter handle on there as well. That's why yeah. I did that. Uh, yeah, you guys find me on all socials under Chub Rock Geek. Hence why I didn't put at Chub Rock Geek, because you can just find me on all socials at Chub Rock Geek. Um, but, uh, also on the mission start, uh, podcast, YouTube channel, uh, Anthony just uploaded the video version of us discussing our favorite games and favorite video game based things from two, uh, 2020. Um, don't know why it took him so long, but that's now on the YouTube channel. So if you want to go check that out by all means, um, yeah, other than that, that's it. That's it for me. Uh, again, thank you guys so much for listening. We really appreciate you guys listening to this podcast week to week. Uh, gives us something to look forward to once a week. It's I, I fucking love doing it. Uh, again, watch WandaVision episode five, stand episode eight, eight. almost seven. Um, and uh, join us next week. We'll see you then. Peace, love, and polypops. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, everybody. <laughs>